Welcome to Unpack the Pursuit, a podcast where we have real talk about change. Unpack the Pursuit is dedicated to helping us think differently about change and how we get to the places we so desperately want to go. Get ready for empowering tips and tools, lots of storytelling and inspiring interviews. We are your hosts, Natalie and Molly. Let's unpack this. Welcome everybody to this week's episode of Unpack the Pursuit. Uh, just me today, but I'm really excited to introduce my friend Savannah. Born and raised in Seattle, Sav is a little bit new to Nashville, just like me. She went to undergrad at Gonzaga University in Spokane, Washington. Is that how you say it, Sav? Spokane. Spokane. <laughs> and majored in English. Savannah then attended Vanderbilt University to receive her master's in education. She is currently a local high school teacher and is also writing her first book of poetry, which with her permission, we're going to share a poem at the end of this episode. Isn't that right, Zav? That is definitely right. Dude, thanks for being on the podcast. Yeah, I'm super excited about it. This is actually my first official podcast. Wow, we should celebrate afterwards. I know, man. I feel pretty hyped about it. Me too. So today's theme that Zav and I are going to unpack for y'all is professional freedom. And that could look a lot of different ways, which is what we're going to explore today. But I think what, from my perspective, and I'll ask you this, Sav, in a second too, why I think this is an important topic to discuss is because I feel um, that the narrative around our professional paths, our career paths, can be so limited in scope. And I witnessed some of my counterparts getting really focused on their one path and really stressed about their one path and sort of making sure that it looks a certain way or that we're hitting certain milestones that have sort of been laid out traditionally in the past. And I really want to break those barriers and start a conversation where that path looks very different for very different people and is easy to pivot throughout your life. Definitely. Yeah, I think that this topic for sure Uh, is really significant in my life right now. I've always known that I've wanted to go into education. However, I think I'm in this time that sort of feels like a gray space for me professionally, uh, and it feels a little bit in between and something I'm definitely navigating through right now. So I really love this topic, and I think uh, some of the structures that we sort of put into play as a society, I think it's really important for us to unpack them and really think about how we can move beyond some of those structures and really get in touch with ourselves so that we can really become the best version of ourselves. And um, I think especially in this world today and right now, uh, the way that we do that in regards to our profession is super important. So we're going to open up with common beliefs about work professionalism and dissembling some of the structure that exists, like Sav just said, and how it creates a false sense of security for us. So we think that if we follow these patterns or follow these paths that have been laid out for us, we will feel secure and feel fulfilled. And sometimes that's just not the case, I don't think. Totally. So we can start with college, obviously, because I think that's when we start considering our future, or we start to feel a little bit of pressure when it comes to what's our future look like. And I think it maybe starts with when we're trying to decide our major and the weight we put to our major. So feeling like our major equates to future opportunities down the line and how that decision at 18 or 19 or however old you are when you declare your major is a really big decision to make if you're considering 
that this is a decision that's going to outline the next 10, 20 years of your life. Definitely. Yeah. I also think that to add on to that, it's interesting because college is this time where you go into it and in the very beginning, people ask you what your major is going to be and what you're interested in, but you honestly don't really have to choose until your junior and senior year. And there's still a lot of freedom there. And even the majors that we do end up picking, so many of us today don't have careers that necessarily directly align with what we major in. However, there's definitely a lot of pressure around it. And I think for me, this is sort of one of the first places where we see a push for our identity to align with what our major is. Um, And we really, I think, grapple with the importance of that and think about how this thing, this uh, major that we're choosing really aligns with our trajectory of our professional uh, life, really. Um, And I think today, just even as millennials, that's something that we struggle with. So much of our life, I think, is consumed by work, and we put so much meaning into that, right? So like before, where you thought of work just as a job, something you did to provide for your family, it was a means of making money. I think now the fact that it directly aligns to who we are, there's a lot more weight that goes into that. So we spend this time choosing a major, and then once we've chosen, it's sort of like, okay, well, here's the path that naturally will line up with that major. And if you, I guess waver a little bit or don't necessarily want that forever, I think it's a big question. Like right now, I've always known that I've wanted to be a teacher. Honestly, like ever since I was a kid, I never really thought about being anything else. Um, And so right now, as I'm asking myself questions about my own financial freedom, the impact I want to make on this world, what that looks like, I think I have questions about just my identity in relation to my work. And I think I've spent the last year or so unpacking that because I think when people used to ask who I am, teacher was like the first thing that always came to mind. Um, And so now as I've sort of tried to decouple teacher and who I am, I still think it's a part of my identity, but I'm now recognizing that just because I might not teach forever or that's not all of who I am, I don't, I don't see that anymore as my whole identity. And so I think you're right. Like in college, when we choose, that's the first time that we are asked to sort of make this decision that is then potentially going to line up with the rest of our life, you know? It's really important when you're in college and making that decision about what you're going to major in to stay present and just decide based on what your current interests are and not trying to decide based on what the current industry is telling you to decide totally, um, or what the world is telling you to decide. That would be my number one hope for how education and higher ed education especially changes over time is that we get less focused on how will this major trans- translate to jobs in the future and what am I interested in right now? Because my jo- my career tra- trajectory looked looks so different from what I studied in college. I was a sport management major in the business school. And my first job out of school, I got through networking or not even through networking. It was just through someone I knew it was like referral. And so I ended up getting a job in marketing and I was like, actually, I like this. This is definitely up my alley. And after that first job and that first year of experience in marketing, that was what my resume looked like. And that was what people focused on. They didn't focus on the fact that I was a sport management major. And when I tell people I'm a sport management major, I used to feel really insecure about, about expressing why I, what, why I didn't go into sports. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Like I felt like I had to explain to people why I didn't go into sports. And I had this whole blurb that I would just 
I would automatically tell people. And then I just started telling people the truth. I was like, actually, I'm not even into sports. Like I played sports in high school, but I've never had the ESPN app on my phone, like every single other person in my major at the time. And I didn't know statistics and I didn't even know the rules of football, honestly. And I was still a sport major. And the only reason I was a sport management major was because it was like the easiest way for me to get into the business school at the time. That That's the honest answer. And I used to, I started pe- telling people that and people were like, huh. Yeah, makes sense. And I was like, wow, people aren't as like, I thought just people would be so much judgier than they are. And you just start to realize that people just don't really care, but you think that they do. And so you have this whole narrative or this whole spiel that you give people to make it seem like you're, you know, woke and got your shit together. Definitely. Um, I would also like to say uh, I'm the commissioner of my fantasy football team and Molly like doesn't even know anything about it. And I'm like, always trying to explain to her the importance of my games. And she's like, what are you doing? But trying to get her a part of my league next and on- year. Honestly, I'm open to it. Like, I think yeah. I'd be a great, I think I'd be a great sport management gal if I took the time to actually learn the industry I just wasn't interested totally. in it but I I love your point though about the freedom of it and the freedom of expressing your truth right because it's like I think I feel a sense of insecurity almost about the fact that I knew since the time I was like five years old that I've always wanted to be a teacher and now in like my late 20s I'm like um I really really love my career and I know that I'm good at it and it's something that I feel a lot of passion and fulfillment from but I also feel this uh, curiosity just to just get my feet wet. Um, I feel interested in business. I feel interested in what else I can put in the world. Like Molly said, I'm starting my first book that I'm hoping to publish this year. And I think even just the honesty and freedom around that, like Molly and I were having a conversation um, a couple weeks ago and you made a comment that was really impressionable on me on when you think about uh, when you think about your future and your career, like you used to put so much weight in what it would look like and climbing up the ladder and this trajectory of it, and you kind of just made this point, like I don't care, and it didn't feel like with carelessness that you said that, but it felt like with this freedom of like I'm open to what my career can look like moving forward, and it doesn't have to look this certain way. And I think too, even in this day and age, like. Millennials change jobs every couple years and companies know that hiring in that you will outgrow the business. And like, how cool is that? That the goal of hiring isn't to like keep you and make you the best person within that company, but that you both have something to bring to the table and you're both buying into something from each other. And through that experience, like you might outgrow each other and that's a full potential possibility from the beginning. And I think there's definitely been a shift in that. However, with that shift, I don't think we've also seen that shift in um, decoupling identity and career. Because I think even like as companies have moved into understanding that uh, career and like personal life is less of a balance, I think. Um, and I think we still need those boundaries for sure. But I think uh, each of us needs that a little bit differently. And we have different work energy in different spaces and different times and seasons of our life. And I think companies are recognizing that. And even you see like, especially a lot of new high tech companies, like just the environment, bring your dog to work, everyone's <laughs> in their pajamas, there's like kegs everywhere. Like it's just, it's very uh, relaxed uh, in terms of atmosphere and like work culture and climate. And I think there's definitely a movement towards that, towards uh, PTO, time off, like working from home. And I think that's definitely 
interesting too, but I still think even with that, we still put so much um, weight into what we do for work. And even Mm -hmm. as Molly and I were kind of brainstorming what we wanted the session to look like, we were talking about how I think uh, in today's age in the work industry, like people have a really hard time just understanding that sometimes a job can also just be a job. And that doesn't mean that you go to a job and you're like dreading it and you're constantly complaining and you just like hate it. And it's such like a negative vibe. However, uh, also like sometimes you just need experience to get in the door or you are like in a place, a good starting place. Like you are in an entry level position. Like even yesterday I was kind of talking about what I would do if I wasn't a teacher and just thinking about like, I'm not going to start and be, if I went into a different line of work, that doesn't mean I'm immediately going to make more money. Mm -hmm. Like I will have to start from the beginning somewhere. Um, and even thinking about that is interesting, right? Like sometimes a job is just a job and that's okay too. I wonder how do we bring or create purpose when a job is just a job? Because I think that's possible too. Like a job can be a job, but you can find purpose and fulfillment in it still. Maybe not to the equal value of a job that really pulls at your heartstrings and is in your core being, but still how do we make sure that it's something we can come to the table and be like show up with our best selves? Yes. Like I think there's just coming with that open mindset. Like yesterday, um, Molly and I started talking about how we have our own sort of impact on work environment and it's all about our headspace. So Molly made up this awesome rule called 80-20 and um, I, we're still sort of navigating through the numbers. So like, you know, don't quote us yet, but <laughs> um, <laughs> we kind of think that 80% is what you bring to the table and then 20% might be like the climate itself, right? And we can all deal with 20%. Like similar to what people say or when you hear their everyone can deal with something for 10 minutes. I think it's kind of the same thing, you know? Um, And I think about, you and I have both worked a lot in the restaurant business for sure. And I think even being a teacher, most of my life, this is the first year that I haven't had a side job to support my career, which is weird because it's like, I went to school, I paid all this money. I knew that I wanted to be a teacher. I've invested in myself and now I'm doing that, but there's not a whole lot of room to climb up the ladder as a teacher, unless you literally leave the classroom. Um, and even then, like you're still not really compensated for the work that you do. And I definitely work like 60 hours a week, most weeks, grading, planning, all that kind of stuff. So then working a job on top of that, like I felt like I was always sacrificing like personal relationships, um, other creative outlets that I wanted to pursue, etc. However, I did get something from the restaurant business that was super meaningful. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think to learn hospitality and to just interact with people um, in that way, like I think sometimes in like that kind of environment, it can be so just such a transaction of like, you're giving me this and here's the product that you're buying or like the service, whatever it is. And so to have human moments in something that could be just a really quick interaction, I think is actually a really beautiful thing. And I learned so much about food and culture and the way that people interact with food, especially working. My last job was at a pretty high-end restaurant. Um, and just the way that people knew and understand their trade was so fascinating and beautiful to me. Um, and so it just started out as this job to like make some side cash and it ended up being something that I actually got a lot of fulfillment in and um, taught me a lot of important life skills and I really benefited from and it kind of balanced me out in a way. Um, yeah. 
And I just, yeah, I think when we come with that mindset of openness and ready to learn um, and just understand that we are creating and impacting directly the environment uh, that's in front of us and that we have a lot of power in that. I think it's it's a pretty awesome place to be. Yeah. You have to be intentional with how you show up in your space and how you show up in other people's space, whether sure. that's other your coworkers or just the, the company environment as a whole. And I think we need, we do need to take ownership of how we show up in those spaces and accountability in some sense. Like if you're bringing constant negativity to your work environment or your work day, that is how you're going to exist. And that's, yes. that's what you're going to perpetuate. And that's the energy you're going to put off and people are going to see that. And they're just going to be like, and anyone who's self-aware or aware of their surroundings is going to be like, I don't want to be around this. This is yes. like dragging me down. And I've been in those situations where I have to like, intentionally move myself away from certain energies that I'm just like, this is bringing me down. Yes. So I think, tell it. yeah, I feel like, and I mean, that doesn't mean you have to be positive all the time. I'm hyper aware of when I complain because I feel like I'm always preaching that you shouldn't complain. So I feel like when I complain to you, Sav, I'm like, I'm so sorry. Like I shouldn't be complaining. And you're like, whatever, like speak your truth. Like it's totally fine. I think as long as you show up in your truth, like I've been even practicing, especially at work, I think it's so easy when people ask you if you're okay to just, you know, scoot by. It's like just a work relationship, but I've been trying to be purposeful lately and just this year of my life uh, about actually sharing how I am and not oversharing or like, you know, put like burdening someone with uh, my emotional state, but just kind of being honest. And I've had some really cool and positive interactions that have come out of it. And even, um, thinking about the way that I started this job, I thought about how nobody knew me here. Like I'm from Seattle. I moved to this new company, um, this new school and nobody had any idea who I was. And that wasn't the case at, at my old school. And so it just was pretty awesome to be able to write my own story for myself. Right. And so I think I've really gotten, um, caught up in like the busy trap and to do lists in the past. And so I really made a goal for myself to intentionally connect with people the first three months of school, whether that Mm -hmm. mean like going to a happy hour or, uh, like if I was invited to something to constantly say yes during my planning period, that's like such a sacred time for teachers. It's like the only hour of the day you don't have students. So to get things done, um, is really important, but I try to like put some of that aside and really be intentional about making connections with different people at my work, um, and really having that relational foundation. And I think that's really set me up uh, just for a lot of awesome connection and to feel really prepared and super known at my job. Um, and I think that's where my, I feel like my identity has shifted. So like, instead of thinking like, oh, this is who I am as a teacher. Am I a good teacher? Am I a bad teacher? What are necessarily like the different factors that qualify me as that? Instead, it's like, I feel really known when I come into work. And, um, I was just sharing with a friend, I went home recently to Seattle and I felt super good to see people, but it was interesting. Like, I mean, as I came into work the next day, like I just felt this sense of relief, like that I was home in a way. And I've never really felt that for myself. And I think that I work for an awesome environment, but also like I created that, right? Like I was able to build those relationships, um, 
and to make that world possible for myself and to have a work environment that like I really feel is so filling to me and that I so see myself in. And I also feel curious about what else is out there, right? Like I can hold all of that very open-handedly. Mm-hmm. I love that. I love that because I think uh, what I hear a lot at my job is culture. So right now we just went through a, a pretty big reorg. Like Eventbrite's kind of a big company now. It used to be a startup, then they went public. And so they have a lot of employees. And I think with growth, I wouldn't call them corporate. I don't feel like their environment is corporate to me at all, at least not what I perceive corporate to be. And that perception changes from person to person. I feel like people are always asking about culture and how people, how the you know executive team is going to keep culture alive. And um, I appreciate that question, but at the same time, I agree with you that we're actually the ones responsible for culture. Like the yes. people on the ground at the office every single day, we're the ones responsible for what culture looks like in the office. You have to show up with a smile on your face. And that sounds so, so cheesy, but it's true. And say good morning to your <laughs> co- coworkers and make sure you're you know taking the time you need and making sure that you're not overworking yourself. Like those are all things that you need to be doing that will contribute to culture. It's not like all of a sudden the E-suite embeds this culture and that is like this stagnant thing that it just needs to be maintained over time. It's in constant fluctuation and it's based on the people that it's comprised of. A hundred percent. I fully agree with that. Love that. And I think one of the last things I want to talk about is being okay with ambiguity in work and how there's this culture of guilt, which I actually have been feeling recently because of sort of the slowness of the holidays business is just slow. And also we, like I said, we just went through a reorg, so I don't even have a manager right now. And I just feel like all of all the tasks I'm working on are pretty evergreen and I'm just nervous. I don't feel like I'm working that hard, honestly, Uh, at least this past week felt that way. And so I have this like internal guilt and I'm like, why am I feeling guilty though? I know that I'm doing as much work as I possibly can in this moment. Definitely. Um, And so I think being intellectually aware of yourself and your current workload and what that looks like in that moment and making sure that you're not putting too much pressure on yourself is important as well to, to just to achieve black balance. I agree. Um, that's interesting because I think I am sort of navigating that from the opposite perspective or the opposite end, I guess. Like, I think as a teacher, there's always so much I could be doing, right? Totally. Like I could work literally endless hours if I wanted to. And I think right now though, even though it's interesting, like this is a brand new school, I'm teaching AP this year, which is also pretty new to me. So I still have a lot of energy for that and it still feels good to invest in, but I have a lot of curiosity right now about what else is out there. So I've been just dipping into different events, going to different panels, learning. I'm working on my book. I'm also working on like another creative project on the side, just related to freedom in general. And I think for me, I sort of have a question around how can I be a good teacher, like air quotes, good, what does that even mean? But still, how can I be a good teacher, make the impact I want, feel worth in my job and do as little as possible? And that doesn't mean like to just get by, but I want to spend intentional time at my job and I don't want to give up all the other parts of my identity uh, for that career path also. And so I'm sort of even this weekend, like usually I spend a lot of time grading. I've only worked for one hour so far. And it's like, part of me just feels this panic of like everything that I have to get done. But also 
not at all because I feel so filled by some of the conversations and like just time I took for myself over this weekend. And I don't know. I think it's like there's both ends and we go through different seasons for sure. But I think the guilt is something that's very real, whether it's like the guilt of are you working enough? Are you working too much? Are you like struggling to decide what you want to do? Do you feel guilt because you invested all this money in your college education and you have this major, but now you actually want to do something else? Like, I think that's such um, a giant part of our culture, especially like as I've traveled, especially American identity, like how the value that we put on work uh, in the United States, I think is something that it's not that's not universal. Like that's not a global thing. And I think that's okay. And I think that's just important for us to understand um, and know that as we go through different seasons of our life, like it's just, we'll have different energy towards work. And I just really want to like hit home the idea of professional freedom. Um, and that, that looks so different for all of us. And I think my goal for, this is an ongoing conversation, obviously. I think this theme can be embedded into a lot of different conversations, um, specifically focus on different aspects of the workplace and, you know, what we can bring to the table and what that means for all of us individually. And I think my goal through having a conversation like this is just to help myself and others chill out when it comes to looking at their future and sort of overanalyzing it. Change is so good for us. Even change that we don't anticipate and change that we don't think will do us any good is often where all the growth happens. And so I think I want to just challenge us to chill out when it comes to our path, but also be and be open to opportunity and change that comes through our workplace. Yeah, I totally agree. I love that a lot. I think that's very important. And I think, um, yeah, especially the idea of sameness and just being open. I think I'm in a place in my life where I'm unpacking uh, a lot of the structures that I think I've created for myself or that uh, maybe I haven't even created, but society has sort of like infringed upon me and sort of said, this is the norm. And I think as I've started unpacking them, like the truth is there are just so many more unknowns, right? It's like my future just seems, my world feels a million times bigger once I've set that structure aside. And I know it's there and it doesn't mean it's bad. And it's, but once like I've allowed myself to separate myself from that a little bit and not allow that to be my lens, my world feels bigger. And I also just feel like there's so um much more freedom, but also I have like no idea what the future looks like, you know? And I think though that idea feels very, uh, like really a catalyst for my growth rather than something to be afraid of. And I think too, that comes from like just really knowing your center and being willing to get curious and unpack what's around you. Um, and it just doesn't make change feel as scary. And I agree. I have coworkers who literally on a daily basis, their biggest fear is that they won't have a job the next day. And I just couldn't imagine operating from that place, right? Like how different is your work energy when that's the space that you're work that you're operating from? And that's fine, that's their truth. Like I totally understand that, but 
it feels really good to know, I guess, that I'm really good at my job. And if something happens, like in teaching, there's a shortage, there's not, not enough money for education, like so many things could happen. But I also like know my worth and know that I will be okay, you know? And that just gives me freedom to like explore and unpack and get so curious. And I think that's just also really what I want for everyone too. So I love that sentiment a lot. I have the song freedom by beyonce i don't even know if that's what it's called but that freedom song and stuck in oh, my head while you're saying oh that oh my gosh that is, that's definitely what it's called and i love that yes song. I'm, it's, it just started playing in my head while you were preaching i was like yes freedom totally i saw her in concert and that uh song was like they had water everywhere and then it was like a bunch of just bodies like you could feel the freedom and it was like a, this entire dance and routine that was all done um like through water on the stage I, I don't even know how they got the water there like I was so mesmerized that um I like couldn't even think about the logistics of it but oh, girl that is like the perfect that's that's like the perfect sentiment for sure that's the mantra it really is yes yes Sab thanks so much for for hanging out with me this morning. And I want to spend just a couple minutes uh, at the end here to talk about your creative projects that you're working on and share some of your poetry, if you don't mind. Yeah. So I am working on a current book of poetry. It's called The Space of a Woman. I'm really excited about it. Um, It's a project that I've actually been thinking about for quite a long time, and I've just really been putting energy towards it in the last year or so. Um, But essentially what inspired me, I'm an English major and um, I love Virginia Woolf and everything that she's written about. And she has this book called The Room of One's Own. And in the book, she talks about the importance of literally creating the space, the physical space for a woman in order to write a novel because this had never really been done before um, by other women during her time. And even women who did exist within novels, it was still from the man's perspective. And so she was saying like the space within a novel needs to be a space that... um has sort of been untreaded. And so the importance of having a physical and internal space in order to in order to do that. So I just really loved this idea and I started thinking about how it applies to today's culture um, and thinking about just the space that we need to create within ourselves, what it feels like to sort of make your body uh, your home and just really feel that sense of like worth. And so, yeah, this book of poetry is um, getting close to its completion, which I'm really excited about. Um, I'm collaborating with a friend on the art right now, and then hopefully it will be out within the next six months or so. So I'll definitely keep you updated. So on that note, uh, I'm going to read a poem. This one is called We Walk Wide. We walk wide with opaque hearts, convincing ourselves that the genesis of being known will give way to the spilling of ourselves. No longer will we exist in safe pockets of soft earth, so we wait for safe and narrow spaces to reveal our fullest magic. You are not a crowd pleaser. You make light of falling midnight stars because the whole universe is your sandbox. You cannot make promises of forever that would make it easier for me to cross worlds. But the truth is, none of us really can. And I cannot return to the comfort of opaque hearts. 
when I have liquid gold rushing through me. I love that, Sav. Thank you for sharing. Thank you guys for tuning into this week's episode of Unpack the Pursuit. If you like what you heard today, especially about this theme, professional freedom, I'd love to hear from you. Natalie would love to hear from you. You can email us at unpackthepursuit at gmail.com or visit our website, www.unpackthepursuit.com and fill out a form on our website as well. And we will see you guys next time.